Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message by our guest pastor and friend will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. And again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you all today. As Howard said, my name is Dan Eisner. I'm an RCA pastor who lives in Grand Haven. I think this is my third time preaching here. It's great to be with you all. And just to clear the air, <clears throat> I am an Ohio State Buckeye fan, so I hope, I, hope you'll <clears throat> I hope you'll accept me. I was born in Sandusky, Ohio, so if you've been to Cedar Point, that's uh, where my parents live. Uh, and I'd also like to say hi to Kat or Kathleen, our interpreter. And I'll do my best to talk slow so her and I are on the same page and communicating God's word this morning to you all. So our passage is Colossians 2, <clears throat> 18 through 19. The words will be up on the screen. If you'd like to join in your pew Bible, I believe that's found on uh, 1143. But first, just a few introductory comments before we dive into God's word this morning. Uh, so first, let's just open with a word of prayer as well. Dear God, thank you for the Bible, which is a word unto, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. We pray that uh, you would speak to us this morning through your word, that the Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of the word would bring inspiration and illumination to us this morning for your glory. Jesus' name, amen. So just some introductory comments uh, before we dive in. You all know that there are many rules that are throughout the world. Uh, some maybe you're aware of, probably most, but some you, you aren't aware of. So for example, my brother-in-law is a lawyer, and I said, what is one rule that all lawyers should follow? He owns his own law firm in Florida, and he's like, immediately, never lie to a judge. I'm like, hey, that's good to know. Uh, do not do that. So uh, this summer, there were two teenage boys in our neighborhood who came over and said, we noticed your coolant is leaking uh, in your garage. That's that big puddle on the floor. Do we have your permission to fix it? I'm like, sure. And then after taking apart a bunch of my car, they're like, wait, we're not sure how to put it back together. <laughs> so if you're a mechanic, one rule is do not take apart a car unless you know how to put it back together. And they ended up figuring it out, like YouTube's an amazing thing. And, uh, if you're an actor, what's one rule or actress? Don't forget your lines, okay? That's a basic one. Uh, if you're a cook, a uh, culinary artist or chef, which I'm not, I kind of cook chicken nuggets, oven pizza, hamburgers, uh, stick to the basics. But if you're a cook, what's one rule? Wash your hands before cooking. Don't, don't start cooking unless you wash your hands. Uh, if you're an author, or a writer, or a high school student writing an English paper, what's one rule? Don't plagiarize, okay? That form, copy and paste, don't put that in your term paper and claim those words as your own. Most likely, you'll get enough. Uh, 
So the Bible is filled with many warnings. Do this, but don't do that. Uh, the Ten Commandments. And there's part of us as human beings that have this innate reaction like, oh, I don't know, do those rules apply to me? And the answer is yes. So pride comes before the fall if we say, oh, there's all those rules, but they don't apply to me. So uh, this morning as we look to Colossians 2, in my reading of it, I found four do not statements. Just one more quick introductory comment. Sometimes Christianity has the misnomer of, oh, the Bible is just a bunch of rules, like do this and don't do that. And ultimately, it's about a relationship with God. But I'd just like to say before we dive in, these rules point to a creator. Okay, so if you were to Google right now how many people are there in the world, Google, the expert, would maybe say 7 to 8 billion people. Did you know that everywhere in the world... Uh, stealing is looked down upon. Okay, did you know that everywhere in the world, lying is looked down upon? So as we look at these rules, rules that are true all around the world, universal laws, point to a universal lawgiver. The Bible says that God is written, God's law is written on the fabric of our hearts. So as we're looking at these do-nots, trying to be like, oh, I know these are all, they point to a creator. So as we look to God's word this morning, Colossians 2, 18, 8 through 19, if you'd like to look for the four don'ts, I invite you to. That's what will be our focus this morning. But if we could turn to God's word now, if the words will be up on the screen, that's where actually I'm going to be reading too. Uh, thank you. This is the word of the Lord. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been given, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised with Christ, having been buried with, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead." When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility, and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. 
They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. We'll end our reading there. This is the word of the Lord. So if we could see our next slide, uh, what is the first do not? Uh, We're going to look at four of them. The first is do not be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy. So this, re- this refers to mentally. Uh, and the metaphor used here, being taken captive, shows us that thought is not neutral. Okay? As Christians, we are told to love the Lord with all of our mind. Okay? So different systems of belief, such as Buddhism, which is really a godless religion. There's no deity in Buddhism. It's rather teachings on how to escape this world. If you encounter another system of thought, uh, it's not neutral. So what our passage is saying, first and foremost, is do not be taken captive by other systems of thinking, other thought, uh, because why? And this is kind of the rhythm of our passage. It's do not... And here's why. Do not be taken captive by another form of thinking, uh, philosophy, philosophia, Sophia means love of wisdom. Do not be taken captive by uh, a deceptive philosophy, which is kind of a paradoxical phrase, something that claims to love wisdom that isn't, because you've been given fullness in Christ. So this is teaching us that Christianity isn't just a way to live. It's a, it's a philosophical system on how we are to see and interpret the world. It's a, it's a lens through which we are to in, interpret all truth. But note the juxtaposition, the opposite. Do not be taken by empty uh, philosophy because you've been given fullness in Christ. So what does that phrase mean? It means we've been given fullness and truth of who we are, what happened before we came, we were born, what will happen at the end of the world. We've been given fullness and purpose. What's the purpose of our life? To love our neighbor, uh, to share the good news of Christ. We've been given fullness and forgiveness. That in Christ we're forgiven of our past, our future, our present. We've been shown God's grace. In Christ we've given fullness in community. I don't come here as a guest this morning. I do, but I come as your brother in Christ. I have full belonging here because of what we share in Christ. In Christ, we've been given fullness and security. We know who we are and whose we are. So the first do not is don't be taken down mentally by another system of belief. And you all know there are different worldviews out there that when you say you're a Christian, someone might try to argue out of it and give you a different way to see the world. Don't be taken captive by that. Captive means arrested or pinned or take down because you've been given full freedom in Christ. So this is just a reminder to know what we believe. Uh, So what are ways we can practice that? But first, I just did some support verses. Let's just look at uh, our next slide. This is affirmed throughout Scripture. Don't be taken captive by other ways of seeing the world. First uh, John says the same thing. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. There continue to be false prophets. So how do we not be taken captive by other systems of thinking? We test them 
on the foundation of God's word. Uh, this, this idea is said elsewhere in scripture. What's our next slide? Our, our other example, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's that same word. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we're to examine the message of the world. The message of the world is not neutral. Does it align with God's word? Does it stand on the foundation of truth so we're not taken captive by it? So how do we apply this? We read the word. We go to Bible study. We're in small groups. We're in community groups. We meditate on God's word both day and night. G.K. Chesterton writes, just like the stomach longs for real food, Okay, if I said for lunch today we're just having rice cakes or celery, your stomach would be like, I want more. Our mind longs for truth. We find the fullness of that in studying God's word. Let's move to the second, do not. They're doing a great job of tracking and following along. Pastor Austin, everyone's giving great eye contact here. I'm not seeing people scrolling on their watches or phones or falling asleep. But we have, we have four do nots. Our second one is do not be ruled by the flesh physically. So don't be taken captive mentally. Don't be, take, don't be ruled by the flesh physically. And this is consistent, trying, Kathleen, not to talk too fast, with what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, that the flesh and spirit are in conflict with one another. So you've all studied American history. You know that America had a civil war where the North and South fought against one another. The Israelites had a civil war where they were fighting. We often have a civil war in our own body where our flesh is pulling us this way and the Holy Spirit is leading us that way. So when we see that, do not be ruled by the flesh uh, for your whole self, which we read, uh, was put off. So this refers to uh, circumcision. I'm not going to give a lecture on what circumcision is, but actually something was cut off from the flesh. It makes a connection to baptism, uh, which baptism replaced circumcision as the sign of the covenant from the Old Testament to the New, just like uh, the Lord's Supper replaced the Passover feast signs of the covenant in the Old Testament and the New, so that in circumcision, something was cut off uh, from the flesh so that you're not ruled by it, okay? So uh, I can struggle with the flesh when we go to Chinese buffets. Uh, my wife's like, how can you uh, keep going up? I'm like, how can you not, okay? Where I just keep eating. Uh, we all have this battle of the flesh where it's impulse versus self-control or think of someone who's lost their temper and having a temper tantrum you're you're being ruled by the flesh so remember the pattern in our passage is do not do this why do not be taken by hollow deceptive philosophy because you've been given fullness in christ do not be ruled by the flesh then it gives us many talk on circumcision and baptism why because you've been united with christ that's kind of the heart of the gospel message that through faith in God, we've been made one with Christ, which means uh, what happened on the cross happened to us, happens to us. Where Jesus died on the cross once on Good Friday, we die to sin. Christ rose from the grave. Uh, we die to sin. We can also have victory over it. So do not be ruled by the flesh. Do not be ruled by sin. And 
let's just pause. I don't have to tell you what that means to be ruled by the flesh. Okay? I've taught at uh, drug rehab centers, and I've sat with people who are addicted to cocaine or meth, and they are a slave to those addictions. Okay? So this idea of don't be ruled by the flesh you know what that means. But why? Because you've been united with Christ. Why? Christ has died so that we could be forgiven. Why? So that we can live in the freedom that Christ came to bring. We just celebrated the 4th of July. We have freedom as Americans, but not every American is free. Okay, we've been given, I'm doing my best, Kathleen, to talk slower. We've been given freedom in Christ because how we live matters so that the world can see this freedom that we have in Christ. Here are some support verses that uh, teach this same point throughout Scripture. If we could see our next slide. It says, don't be ruled by the flesh in Colossians 2. It says it in Philippians. For as I often told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. I don't need to tell you what it means their God is in their stomach. It means there are people who worship the flesh. Yikes, really? Well, they might not bow down to the flesh, but their whole day is about self-gratification. In the ancient world, the term for that was Epicureanism, which said the chief goal of life is physical pleasure. Okay, so when I, I live in Grand Haven, Spring Lake built this center called Epicurean Village. I'm like, yikes, what are they going to be building in there? Places that celebrate uh, the pursuit of pleasure, maybe. Do they, do they know what that word means? But here's another verse that gives this warning on don't be ruled by the flesh. My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful flesh. Another word is hedonism. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So am I going to bow down to the flesh, or am I going to follow the Spirit? That is that second thing. Do not be ruled by the flesh. So what are ways to apply this? Fruit of the Spirit is self-control. One way to apply this is look for ways to be disciplined. So we're not ruled by the things of the flesh. So my wife just went on a women's retreat with our church. The first day of the retreat, they said, turn in your cell phones. We're going to have a day where you go out in the woods and you're quiet with God. And she confessed to me. She's like, ah, I don't know if I can give up that cell phone for a day. I know we have five kids living in our home. I'm like, I got it. I can parent for a day, okay? You can, you can let go of your phone. But she was like, I, I feel like I'm addicted my phone. Well, what's, what's the root of the, what's the first meal of the day? Breakfast. What's the etymology of that? It's where we break our fast. Fast for one meal. Man, I just made an idol of food. Uh, the root, the love of money is the root of, of sin. Uh, every time we tithe, we are breaking the power of the flesh. So don't be ruled by the flesh. We have to be aware of that battle between flesh and spirit. Uh, our third, do not, if we could see our next slide. I have four, so we're halfway done. And cooking with gas. I'm going as fast as I can this morning. 
which says, do not be defeated spiritually or triumphed over in spiritual warfare. So the actual quote from our passage is, Christ disarmed the powers and authorities, and he triumphed over them publicly at the cross. So this do not is implied. It's an implicit command. Uh, so as you know, when God created the heavens and the earth, God created human beings and angelic beings. I'm not going to give a full sermon on spiritual warfare and the reality of the devil and the fallen angels of this world, but implied in our passage this morning is do not be defeated uh, spiritually uh, in spiritual warfare. So it's interesting, uh, just reflecting on this, I wouldn't have to teach you all how to guard your uh, wallet if you were walking through a busy mall or how to guard your purse. You know how to do that. If someone came to pickpocket your wallet, instinct would do this. If someone came to grab your purse, instinct would do that. Uh, if, if we were to go out after church today and I said, we're going to cross that road out there, I wouldn't have to teach you how to duck traffic. Hey, that car's coming at you pretty fast. Instinctually, you'd know how to step out of the way. Okay? In a silly way, if someone was going to come and punch you, I'm going somewhere with this analogy, I wouldn't teach you how to duck. You know instinctually how to duck. Okay? Well, we have an enemy okay? uh, who Christ defeated and disarmed at the cross but did not destroy, who still has a level of power and influence in this world, and it's an invisible enemy. So sometimes it comes through thoughts that appear in our head. So I don't know if I'm the only one. Sometimes I'm living my day, and it's like I hear these voices in my head. Dan, you're a terrible dad. Dan, you're no good. Dan, you're ugly. I know I'm not the only one. This is called spiritual warfare, the battle of the mind. Implied in our passages, do not be defeated by this spiritual warfare or triumphed over and I love these words. Do not be taken captive. Yikes, I don't want to be taken captive. Do not be ruled by the flesh. Hey, I don't want to be ruled by anything. Do not be triumphed or defeated over because there's this spiritual realm that in Christ we've been made aware of. And there's some support verses. Let's just look at quick at our support verses. Ephesians 6 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world, uh, Ephesians 6, 12, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's look at one, one other verse from Matthew 12. Uh, when Jesus came, listen to the binding of Satan. Uh, but if that is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions? Unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. So when we are facing attacks from the devil, wait, how do I know when I'm experiencing spiritual warfare? Well, the devil's the father of all lies. So if these thoughts are coming at you from all around, the Bible says that demons shudder at the name of Christ. How do we fight spiritual battle? We stand on the word of the Lord. We claim the truth of Jesus Christ. We pray out loud, uh, and the devil and the demons flee. Oftentimes, we face these spiritual battles alone, and we don't even know what's going on. Like, there must be something wrong with me. So do not fall prey to spiritual warfare and be triumphed over it, because Christ has defeated the devil and the fallen angels and triumphed over them, and in Christ, we might have victory. 
So we're now at our fourth point. Uh, and our fourth is do not let anyone judge or disqualify. You've done a wonderful job listening today. Maybe when you see that word judge, do not let anyone judge you, you might be thinking, wait, Dan, like in Christ, we're forgiven. In Christ, God, God won't judge us on judgment day, just like the blood over the doors. Uh, Christ will look at us and say, you've been given a pardon. This doesn't say God judging you. This says don't let anyone judge or disqualify you. God will not judge you apart from Christ, but the world does. The world judges you. And this is why how we live is of the utmost importance. We worship an invisible God. And guess who God speaks through? You. 2 Corinthians 5, God says, You are my ambassadors. Although God, as though God is making his appeal through you. So just a friendly reminder, your neighbors are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. Your colleagues are watching you. Your extended family is watching you. And when you say, I am a Christian, that means you are consecrated and set apart for the Lord. So the last do not in our passage says, don't let anyone disqualify you. And again, I love that word, disqualify. That's an important one. It's a sporting one. You've been disqualified for cheating. So I'll just conclude with a story on this illustration. So right now there are, there are four young men living in our home, okay? Uh, so I think about all the time they are watching me, okay? They're watching me as a man on how I treat my wife, how I use my money, and how I use my free time. So I oftentimes think, all right, let's fast forward five years from now or these, these four teenagers who are about to get married. And imagine if uh, I got drunk all the time. Imagine if I mistreated my wife. Imagine if I gambled. Imagine if I didn't work. Imagine if I yelled and screamed at them. And imagine if I was super lazy and just did terrible things all the time. And then on their wedding day, I went up to them like, hey, I'd like to give you a lecture on what it means to be a Christian man and a Christian husband. They may be like, dude, you're full of it. Uh, you've been an abusive, drunk, delinquent, absentee father. My actions would disqualify me, right, in that, in, that, in that scenario, in that analogy. So how we live, don't be taken captive uh, with empty philosophy. Don't be ruled by the flesh. Don't be triumphed over in spiritual warfare so that you won't be disqualified. And I just want to let you know, there are many moments in life where leaders need to step up. Think of what happened at 9-11 when Rudy Giuliani stood up and was like, he led. Think of what happened during COVID. There were two times this past week where there was some pretty big conflict in my life. I had to step up and lead. Where God wants you to step up and lead. And people will either look at you. Okay, I'll give Dan Gazan a compliment. He's a great leader. At our last church, he earned the right to speak. He's a good husband. He's a good dad. People look to him. People will either look to you. Wow, you've earned the right to speak. Or they're like, dude, you're disqualified. Just like my sons would look at me if I was a terrible dad. So do these things so that people won't judge or disqualify, so that you can be a leader in these difficult times. How we live matters. We're to be the city on the hill, uh, the light, so that people living in darkness would see us. Well, shoot, Pastor Dan, I've made a bunch of mistakes. 
I have to. This last point can get into legalism. I'm not perfect. What do we do when we make a mistake? We confess. We repent. We apologize. And God's mercies are new every morning. So it's my hope that you heard these four do nots this morning, that I communicated them clearly, that you heard God's word and were fed by it. It's been an honor to be with you. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, thank you for your word which speaks truth into our heart and soul. Thank you for these warnings of do not because we can fall prey to being ruled by the flesh. We can fall prey to being taken captive to other forms of thinking. We can forget that our life matters and try to battle spiritual things on our own. So we pray that through this morning you were glorified and that your people were edified. It's our hope that we would recommit our lives to you. It's our hope if there's someone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior that today would be the day where they say, I believe, I want to be baptized and join this church family. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.